and uh, welcome to worship at Balhelvi today. You're struggling to hear, okay? It's the radio mic we're on, Ernie. Radio mic. Yep. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, now we're talking. Thank you. Literally, now we're talking. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so, w- welcome everyone. Great to see you along. Thanks for coming uh, to your service this morning on this, the first uh, Sunday in Advent. You might notice one or two changes to the church. Be observant of you as you look around. Uh, and I want to say a big thank you to Pat Forbes, who's uh, kind of overseeing a lot of the decoration uh, for today. Um, you'll note the, the nice decorations down the windows. Uh, some of them, these have been made by uh, different organisations within the church. And it's kind of a mystery. So your challenge is to have a wee look at them and see if you can work out uh, who's made what. That'll keep you busy. And I think Pat's got some wee postcards that she'll put up just to give you a clue uh, as the weeks go on. This one um, behind me um, is a, a special tree and it's here for anybody who's carrying uh, grief or loss, particularly in terms of a bereavement, maybe even a recent bereavement. And there's an opportunity, there are some wee tags here sitting in the communion table. If you want to come and just write a name or a wee message on the wee tag, you can then tie it onto this tree. And that's a way of us uh, remembering uh, the folk who've been dear to us, who we've lost uh, perhaps over this last year, maybe even uh, going further back. But uh, thanks to Pat for, for thinking of that, because it's a, it's a difficult time of year for those of us who've lost someone. And this is a one wee way that we can continue to uh, remember them. So um, just a few announcements. We're getting to that uh, busy time of year where there's lots happening. Um, so bear with me now as I go through these uh, with you. Um, tonight, at half past six, is our Chris Tingle service here in the church. Uh, service especially for uh, young children and their families. Uh, it's very light, we do some carols, we do a wee bit of storytelling, and then at one point we dim the lights and the children walk around the church with their Christingles. They can bring ones that they've made if they want, but there will be some here tonight for them to, to have uh, as they walk around. So please do encourage friends and family neighbours to come along tonight at half past six. Uh, next Sunday morning, uh, we're having the Bon Accord Silver Band uh, service. If you've not been before, that's a lovely service. You know, nothing quite says, Christ- says Christmas like um, hearing Christmas carols played by a brass band or a silver band. So they'll come, they'll lead us in our service of, of carols and readings next Sunday morning. Next Sunday evening, uh, for those of you who are interested, is the last meeting ever of Gordon Presbytery. Now, some of us have a much closer association with the Presbytery than others, but it's quite a momentous thing because we're moving into a much bigger Presbytery, the Presbytery of the Northeast and the Northern Isles, which takes in Concarden and Deeside, Aberdeen, Aberdeenshire, Murray, parts of Buchan, uh, and Orkney and Shetland too. So it's becoming a really big Presbytery. Um, So it's the end of an era uh, for Gordon Presbytery, and there's a special service just to mark that uh, half past six in Contour next Sunday evening. And uh, the very Reverend Dr. Ian Greenshields, the moderator for this year, will be uh, preaching at that service. Rolling back a wee bit, this coming Friday uh, is our annual Christmas quiz, uh, which is always uh, a great night over in the hall. Starts at half past seven. If you'd like to come and you'd like to book a table, please do let me know because they're filling up uh, quite fast. But that's always a great night. So if you're uh, wanting to join, let me know. If you could bring a group from a group that you represent within the community, we would love to have you along. And then just one last announcement, which is to say that next uh, Sunday, the Guild will be serving soup and bread and cheese after the service 
and all donations raised will be going towards uh, the Guild project. So the, the money raised from the soup lunch goes straight to the Guild project. And in fact, there's a wee, uh, a wee box at the front here, just in lieu of the, kind of the, the work that's gone into the decorations, if you want to make a wee donation, that would all be going to the Guild's projects for this year. So those are all our announcements. So let's worship God now in the words of one of the great hymns of Advent, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Let's worship God together.
Let's join our hearts together in prayer now. Let us pray. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Father, we thank you this morning for this, your promise of Advent, spoken through the prophets and realized in Christ so many years ago. You came to our world, to people struggling to know you, forgetting your ways, living in darkness. You came light and life entered the world and all was changed surely subtly permanently the word became flesh and lived among us and people spoke with him ate with him laughed with him listened to him and in him they met with you in a new and a vital way. And their lives were never the same. God of light and longing with hope, we look to you today. At this season of the year, this time of short days and long nights, we are waiting for the turning of the times. Which assures us that darkness will not overcome the world. Like the men and women of old, we too struggle to know you. We forget your ways. Sometimes we even choose to live in the darkness because that is easier than moving into the light. Forgive us, Lord, and come to us in a new and a fresh way this Advent season. Come and rekindle the flame of love and faith in our hearts. Come and cheer us when life seems dull or burdensome. Come and inspire us where we lack vision or the belief that things can change. Come and disturb us where we've grown too comfortable with a domesticated God. Let this be our time, our advent. When we give you our yes and make room for you in our living. Come to us now and make us ready for the time when you will come again. Not in the hiddenness of the heavenly child, but in the resplendent glory of the returning king. In whose name we gather together this day. And in whose spirit we pray together saying, our father. Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power and glory forever. So we're going to light the first candle in our Advent ring this morning. Aileen Lamb's going to come up and as she does we're going to sing the first verse of a song that will grow over the weeks as we move towards Christmas. It's called Light a Candle.
Right, our reading this morning is uh, John chapter 1 and reading verses 1 to 5, one of the great uh, readings of this season of the year. And Jeanette is going to read for us. John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Amen. Thanks, Jeanette. So that great reading speaks about one of the, the main themes that we look at over Advent and into Christmas, which is the coming of the light. And that's why I've chosen this next hymn, which is number 543, Christ Be Our Light.
Let's take a moment to pray together now. Let's pray. Lord, we hold this silence for a moment together. When did we last slow down? When did we last stop? When did we last think and not just act? Father, in this great season of Advent that you, through your church, have have blessed us with, We can be so busy, and the church is no less guilty of this than anyone else, of making so many preparations and and seeing to so many things that we miss you in the middle of the season in which we're supposed to be preparing for your coming. So help us, Father, in the days ahead to find the balance between doing what must be done, but also building in spaces and times and places of reflection where we can set everything to the side and remember just what was happening all those years ago but that also permeates the now these lived moments that we are sharing thank you that the the ramifications of that story are just as real today Because you and Christ are alive, living and active in the world. And we create these times and these spaces that we might remember that again and know you at work in the circumstances of our living. So bless us in this time we have together. Not just with a good thought to take away, but with a sense of your presence. Recognising that that does not leave us when we leave this building. So hear our prayers, because we ask them all in Christ's name. Amen. There's a story that some years ago, the face of Jesus appeared on a whitewashed wall in a small village in Mexico. One day the image hadn't been there, and then after a really heavy thunderstorm, suddenly, there it was. And people started coming from miles around. Some out of curiosity just to see it. Some out of a religious feeling wanting to engage with God somehow through this. Some even held prayer vigils in front of it. But all of that stopped when a second thunderstorm brought the truth to light. The rain in that second thunderstorm fell so fiercely It washed some of the whitewash right off the wall and the face of Jesus turned out to be an old Willie Nelson poster that had been painted over so many times that nobody even remembered it was there. And I tell that cautionary tale at the start of Advent as a reminder to all of us 
to take care with the story that we focus on at this time of year as we enter Advent and approach Christmas. We think we know the Christmas story because we have heard it for years. But in actual fact, what we're presented with at Christmas time, and this image will kind of, uh, there we go, that's what we're used to. This is, uh, this is actually an amalgam of the two nativity stories in Matthew and Luke, painted over with more than a little romanticism. Don't say this in front of the kids, you've heard me say this before, but there is no mention of a little donkey or an innkeeper in either Matthew or Luke. The stable is by no means certain, and in all likelihood the wise men arrived a good few months after the baby was born. And over the years what's happened is that the nativity play version of the story has imprinted itself into our minds and we accept it almost uncritically, forgetting to ask what the source material in Matthew and Luke actually says. And that's a good excuse for a wet and windy afternoon, and Lord knows we've had enough of them over the last few weeks. Sit down with a cup of coffee and read through the two different accounts of the nativity story in Matthew and Luke, and you'll be surprised at what you find there and what you don't find. But the main thing you'll discover if you do that is how different in tone the two accounts are. Luke's story is filled with joy and light and glory. It's Luke who describes the excitement around Elizabeth's late middle age pregnancy with John. It's Luke who focuses on Mary's admirable acceptance of this difficult role that she's called to have. And it's Luke who recalls the song of joy that she sang that's known as the Magnificat. Luke's account of the story is full of angels who bring tidings of great joy to the shepherds who rush down into Bethlehem to see the baby and return to their fields rejoicing at what they've seen and heard. And it's Luke who gives us the stories of Simeon and Anna, old timers who are delighted to get to see the Messiah with their own eyes. It's all good in Luke. Matthew's gospel, by contrast, is much darker. The light is still there, but from the word go, it's struggling against the darkness. Matthew's the one who gives us more of Joseph's story. It's Matthew who tells us how rocky things were between Mary and Joseph because of her pregnancy. And he also raises the issue of divorce as a real possibility. People see angels in Matthew too, but always in dreams, always in the darkness. There's no mention in Matthew of the shepherds of the angels, but instead we get these strange mystics, pagan mystics, coming from the east and getting things badly wrong at first by landing in at the palace and stirring up Jerusalem's tyrant king with awful consequences. They bring the baby strange gifts, more suited for a burial than for a birth, and after they leave, Herod issues a decree that all the local boys aged two and under be slaughtered. Mary and Joseph have to go into exile and become refugees in Egypt until it's finally safe to return and to settle down in Nazareth. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that the two accounts contradict one another because I don't think they do. We have to take them together. But they do reflect two very different perspectives on what was going on. 
They're both biblical accounts. They both carry weight. But which one do you think has had a bigger influence on what we call the Christmas story? It's definitely Luke, isn't it? When did you last hear a carol about Joseph's dilemma? Or about the poor mothers who were robbed of their sons because Mary brought hers to full term? Or about the fact that the infant Jesus started out life as a refugee? Not maybe a bad beginning for somebody who in later life would claim that he had nowhere to lay his head. There's little doubt in my mind that in what we think of as the Christmas story, we are missing Matthew's influence. And because of that, we're actually missing a big part of what the Christmas story actually tells us. You know as well as I do that at this time of year, we are sold a vision of what Christmas should be like. It's tinsel and lights and open fires. It's families and presents and good food. It's love and harmony and kisses under the mistletoe. It's kind of like a secularized version of Luke. Goodwill to everybody, but without all the bothersome God stuff. And I'm not knocking any of that because I love that stuff. I love this time of year. But what if Christmas for you doesn't look the way the media people say that it should? What if it's lonely because you're by yourself? Or the absence of a special person feels particularly keen? What if you're carrying burdens that nobody else sees or fully appreciates and that you can't just set down even if you would like to? What if Christmas always seems to bring relational difficulties to the surface in your family? To the point where you wonder if it's worth getting them together at all. What if it's hard to get into the Christmas spirit? Because you're finding it hard to see beyond the health concerns that have come to the fore. Either for yourself or for the people that you love. Or what, especially in these times, what if you can't afford the Christmas that others seem to be having? Because you're really struggling to make ends meet. If that's where you're at, the Christmas that were sold in the shops and on the television doesn't have much to say to you. In fact, it probably sees you as something of an embarrassment. But Matthew has something to say to you. Matthew reminds us that in the darkness of our loneliness, our conflicts, our illness, and our loss, hope can still come. And in time and with faith, that hope can become a light that changes everything. And how does that hope come? Well, it comes as we wait and watch attentively and don't give up. And that is the clarion call of the season of Advent. Wait. Watch. And it comes, the hope comes when we realize that no situation that we find ourselves in is godless or God-forsaken. There's always hope. It's just that sometimes in life we have to look a little harder than usual to find it. John, the apostle, like Mark, has no nativity story in his gospel. But of Christ's coming into the world, he says this, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has never put it out. 
And I wonder if John pinched that idea from Matthew, because that's the tenor, not just of Matthew's nativity story, but of his whole gospel. Yes, the darkness is real, but so too is the light. And you know what? The light's stronger. The light is stronger. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was the most popular American poet of his day, but at times uh, his life was scarred by tragedy. His first wife, Mary Potter, died after a miscarriage in 1835, and in 1861, his second wife, Frances Appleton, died from burns that she sustained when her clothing caught fire. That same year, the American Civil War broke out, and two years into the conflict, Longfellow got the news that he'd been dreading when his son was seriously injured in action. And he found it hard to write in the latter years of his life. And sitting down at his desk one Christmas day, he heard the church bells pealing out and their noise seemed to mock him in the grief that he'd borne across the years. But he reflected on that, set himself to work and he penned these lines. I heard the bells on Christmas day their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. The hope that Christmas brings us isn't a fool's hope, a hope that tries to pretend that things aren't how they really are. It's the hope that looks realistically at our stories and our lives and says with Matthew, yes, there are problems and worries and concerns, but that's not all there is. There is also light shining in the darkness, everlasting light. And you know what? The darkness will never put it out. Amen. Our next hymn is number 303, It Came Upon the Midnight Clear.
Daphne McWilliam is going to lead us now in our prayers for others. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, so great is your faithfulness that we can dare to hope as we move through these uncertain times. You will never desert us, but walk beside us, caring, comforting, and carrying each one of us according to our needs. We pray for those who are struggling to meet the most basic of needs and for whom each day dawns with stressful thoughts of the relentless struggle ahead. For some, it is so overwhelming that their lives and those of their families are torn apart by the ensuing anger, frustration, mental illness and addiction. When all seems at its darkest, may the light of your love shine even briefly in their lives to bring comfort and a guide to the sources of help and support they need. We pay, pray for strength for those who support families and individuals in crisis through work, volunteering or charitable donations. Make us all generous, Lord, with our gifts and talents to help, not just now, but throughout the year. We pray for those we know who are facing the daily pain and struggle of illness and infirmity, and for those who have been given a bleak and sad prognosis. Give them rest, Lord, respite from the pain and the courage to keep going forward one unsteady step at a time, safe and secure in the knowledge that all is held. We pray for those who are caring for the sick and those struggling with disabilities or ageing. All do it with a compassion which cannot be measured, but we ask that they have the time they need for rest and time to themselves to recover and refresh. We pray today, Lord, for those caught up in conflict and its aftermath, and for all who are refugees, the Ukrainian families living in our own communities here in Aberdeen, and especially for the children attending our schools, struggling with a new language and an unfamiliar curriculum. Help us all to show compassion, kindness and consideration as they adjust and acclimatise. We pray for those in leadership roles tasked with challenging and complex problems. Sustain them and give them the wisdom, selflessness and integrity needed to make the right decisions for the future of the people they have chosen to serve. Lord, we pray for our world and our planet. The circle of life, the changing seasons, its beauty, awe and majesty, seen in the richness of a sunset and the twinkling of a star, all witness to you, the creator and designer. May we all be reminded of our responsibilities in the stewardship of our world, created to meet our needs, but now more than ever in need of our care and attention. Lord, that first Christmas you gave us the gift of hope, wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Thank you, Father, for your immeasurable gift. And in Jesus' precious name, hear these and all our prayers. Amen. Thanks, Daphne. 
Our closing hymn this morning is hymn number 448, Shine, Jesus, Shine.
Now go and set your face towards the light, that the light of God might be reflected through you into this world. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore.